Good afternoon. Welcome to the Mr. Rowland Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram, one day shy of my 40th birthday. So if I get weepy, uh, that's my excuse. Uh, here on the phone for the first time ever on the pod, uh, from Twitter, I guess, is where he calls home, uh, Chris Needham. Chris, what's up, man? Not much, not much. How's it going? Happy pre-40th birthday. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm gearing up. I don't know what happens on your 40th birthday, but I'm, in, I'm guessing that it, it, it entails a lot of acting like you're not 40. Um, it's all downhill from there, right? I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little out of, out of practice. Um, so Chris, this is strange because I don't know that I've ever heard your voice, but I've been reading your work and following you on Twitter for the, at least probably 10 years now. I don't know, the better part of 10 years. Yeah. I feel That's like ever scary. since ever since the Nats came to DC, I mean, you, you had the Capital Punishment blog. What, what were the years that that was running? Uh, I actually started in, well, it would have been 04. So the, the fall before they came, I uh, started writing when it was pretty clear they were going to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of started writing about them. Uh, remember going to the, the, the big grand unveiling uh, when they made the big announcement in Union Station. And that must have been, I don't know what, November of 04, something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I've been doing it for way too long, which is a sign that I guess we're all getting old. When did you stop the blog, though? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I it's been se- I feel like it's been several years. Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was probably 2009, 2010, yeah. something like that. I mean, it was after it was after the new stadium, and there was a year or two where it was clear they really weren't trying all that much. And it's like, why mm-hmm. am I investing all that time in, <laughs> in, in this? And I had better things to do with my life and was not as young as I was and didn't have as much free time. So it's like, yeah, whatever. I've, I've said all I can say. I got better things to do. Of course, now I just rant on Twitter, but that's, that's another story. This sounds like you might've just had kids or something like that's, that's uh, Imagine kind of like... that. Did, did, did <laughs> yeah. that change anything? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I remember it fondly, like capital punishment and that's baseball are like all time are like my two favorite sources of Nat's information, you know, along with the post, I'll, I'll, you know, yeah, it kind of goes without saying, but, uh, Nat's baseball still going strong. Like, can't you find a little time to, to put some capital punishment <laughs> out there in the world? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get right on that. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll make sure to, uh, you know, have yeah, a couple hundred words. Well, but, but I think, I think that's the thing is, I mean, I've, I've uh, transitioned to Twitter mm-hmm. where it's so yes. much easier to write, you know, 140 characters right. and right. You know, I can string like string, like three of those together. And I've got mm-hmm. the thesis of a blog post there. So, right. I think Twitter, it's, killed, it's, I think Twitter killed a lot of blogs. It's so much easier to tweet, and you still get what you want out there. Yeah. Well, I think the two things, especially for the, for the Nats universe, I think there's a pretty good community of, of Nats Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of engagement, a lot of people having discussions back and forth that are very, very informative, very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing that sort of killed a lot of the Nats blogs was really the post. Right. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, for Lucas starting it up or, you know, moving on to uh, Kilgore, um, mm-hmm. the, the amount of coverage and the amount of writing that they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, not just uh, not just the amount, but the types of things they were covering were markedly different than what newspapers were doing, really, when, when, the, when the team first moved here. So, you know, there was a lot of space for blogs to talk about, you know, minor league transactions or, you know, waiver wire claims and sort of these intricacies of baseball that really obsessives like to know about mm-hmm. that the Post hadn't been covering. But as, you know, online sort of came around and they started expanding their blogs, they started doing that. So there's really sort of no space that, that they're leaving uncovered. So there's, there's less opportunity to sort of be original. 
Yeah, they're really strong on gnats, thankfully. Um, the other thing I think is kind of killing blogging, if it's not dead already, is podcasting. Like doing this is so much easier for me to like talk to you about the gnats for 20 minutes or whatever instead of writing like a thoughtful 300 word post about whatever. You know, yeah. like it's just easier to do this. Uh, it takes no skill. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a skeptic. I'm skeptical about podcasts in general. I mean, only recently have I started to listen to a couple. And I think some of that's one function of like, the sort of short attention span of a flea. So it takes about 10 seconds before my mind's off drifting to something else. So I think it's probably easier for the podcaster, but, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who we've given the option to, you know, read one of, like you mentioned, Harper's posts earlier, mm-hmm. to read one of his posts or to listen to him talk, I'm going to read one of his posts 99 times out of 100. Well, but that's, you, that could just be me. Well, you blogged about the Nats when they could not have been more shitty. Like they were just shitty, shitty, shitty for like several years and, and overlapping with all the years that you were actively writing about them. Uh, since 2012, they've been among the best in baseball. I think they have the most regular season wins maybe of anybody in, in the Major League Baseball. Maybe, maybe that's just of National League teams. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure they're up there. If, if, certainly top three in all of baseball. I mean, so, whatever that number might be. Three playoff appearances uh, in 12, 14, and 16. Almost short of a playoff appearance here in 17. Uh, they've had you know a lot of uh, obstacles this season, but they're still going to win 95, 100 games, something like that. But we were talking about this a little bit over Twitter. What defines success for the Nats at this point? Is it you know World Series or bust? Or is it, is it more nuanced than that? Is it a lower bar? Yeah, well, I, I don't think anybody in D.C. wants to hear it. It's a lower bar than World mm-hmm. Series or bust. I, mean, mm-hmm. I think, you know, given the general sports climate around here, everybody's sort of, you know, craving a championship. Or, you know, if you want to lower the bar, the, the it seems like everybody's talked about, well, we need to have a Final Four appearance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think... You know, you have to look at it a little, little more complicated. I mean, baseball is a, it's a tough sport, and I think one of the things that sort of separates baseball from some of these other sports is uh, the importance of the regular season. Um, you know, for you know, take hockey for example. I mean, the regular season, while enjoyable, essentially acts as just a seeding competition for you know playoff teams. Uh, in baseball, winning a division still matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and still should be something to be celebrated. And now we've got you know a whole string of these going back to 2012. That's that's really something that's sort of unprecedented in DC history, um, particularly in baseball, where where the team was rarely good uh, for, for more than a year or two at a time. So it, 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 it's something that's sort of really unique to, to the baseball is that you know the, the playoffs are their own sort of beast. And, to make the playoffs, you have to be a good team. Um, you know, you're not a bad teams really don't make the playoffs. So when you're having a good team versus a good team, I mean, it's cliche to say uh, the playoffs are a crapshoot, but there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, you know, take a look at that series last year with the Dodgers, which, uh, you know, one of the, one of my great regrets last year was that the Dodgers didn't end up winning the world series <laughs> if they had if they had that series against the Nats would have gone down as an all-timer mm. i mean that was two teams that were hurt who were just beating the crap out of each other game after game after game and the whole season came down to Clay, an injured clayton kershaw who has this long track record of playoff demons pitching in relief after their closer had gone what three innings uh to get them to that point clayton kershaw facing the MVP or one of the MVP candidates with Daniel Murphy, a man who had wrecked him in the playoffs the year before with the season on the line. 
and it didn't work out for the Nats. But I mean, that's that's an amazing moment. So I think, you know, when, when I look back at last season, I don't feel bad about how that season ended. I mean, they played their hardest. They were hurt and banged up, and they came with an inch of, uh, of winning that series. Contrast that with, you know, the series a couple of years ago with the Giants where they just looked flat and they, they, they got I, – I really believe they got out-scouted. Uh-huh. I think the, the, the approach that the Giants had in terms of uh, addressing the Nats' batters and, and working against their pitchers was just so much better than what the Nats did. The Nats looked flat and played terribly and deserved to lose. And that there, was a frustrating season. Wasn't there also some Matt Williams mismanagement in that playoff? Oh, uh, let's try and black that one out. I mean, remember <laughs> that was uh, – I can't even remember the picture now. Hello, the, um, Aaron Barrett. There you, there mm-hmm, you go. Mm-hmm. Who uh, kind of blew the the deciding game. Mm-hmm. And I think what was frustrating watching that one is remember they going into that game they had talked about whether or not Steven Strasburg would be available out of the bullpen. And I think Matt Williams' answer was, "Well, you never know." And basically leaving that open, mm-hmm. and then to you know sort of have, put that out on the table, and then you have <laughs> your, your 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 season fall apart and Aaron Barrett right. wild pitches. Right, a little annoying. And then remember his his justification for that. Well, he's my seventh inning guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, buddy. It's like you're you're expecting like a porterhouse and you get sloppy Joe. It's, it's yeah, not, exactly. It's not good. Well, I mean, the nature of baseball. I feel like since the playoffs are such a crapshoot, you can't really expect anything more than a division title. You know, like yeah. like I think that's the dividing line between for for at least like like the Nats coming into 2017. That's the dividing line between like success and failure is did, are they going to win the division or not? And if they win the division, I think that's successful. You might be disappointed by another first round exit, but you can't really expect them to, to advance in the playoffs, let alone win a World Series. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I think, you know, I think that's one of the things I don't think we have appreciated as much is, well, we won the division these last few years. And that's, that means something. That's that's something that's important. That baseball, I think, has tried to sort of diminish the importance of that a little bit, but hasn't, you know, really fully done that. So, you know, these, these games, you know, really mean something. I, I I think what's what's really sort of striking, you know, you go into you know a game tonight, and what are they playing? I think Milwaukee tonight. Um, you expect them to win that game. Mm-hmm. Will they win that game? Nah, who knows? I mean, Milwaukee's a tough a tough crowd, um, mm-hmm. a tough team who's having a really good season. But you go in with this expectation that, you know what, we're probably going to win tonight. And that's something that, that's pretty unique and pretty, pretty fascinating, you know, enjoyable to watch. I mean, if you're, you know, a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, you don't go into a, you know, pretty much any games expecting, well, we're going to win tonight. Mm-hmm. So when winning becomes not, uh, not so much a surprise, but an expectation. Well, that's that's how you know you sort of got something special. But baseball's so rough. I mean, like, so the, there's a, like a clear margin between what the 2017 Nats are and what the 2017 Brewers are. Yet, mm-hmm. when the Nats play a game at Milwaukee, it's like a 50-50 who's going to win that game. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, there's yeah. just no, yeah. there's no real margin when you when you zoom all the way in on a specific game or on a, on a you know short series. Well, that's that's the strength of 162 games. You multiply mm-hmm. that by what 150 mm-hmm. pitches, 200 pitches per game, mm-hmm. and all these tiny little sort of micro advantages add up over and over and over, and that's sort of what separates you know really good from really bad. Um, you know, I always look at you know Tony Larusa was was a terrible manager to watch, but that's was sort of what guided him is he realized if I can get that little tiny little micro edge on you know. 5,000 of these decisions at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that's really going to add up to something. Mm-hmm. You know, it made for, it made for, you know, 
god awful pitching changes and you know annoying pitch outs and all sorts of stuff. But that's that's sort of how he advantaged that. He he leveraged each of those little micro transactions up and, and they added up to something in the aggregate. So, well, so I mean, any, any if the Nationals lose at any point, whether it's in the World Series, in the NLCS, and the NLDS, it's going to be disappointing. Or mm-hmm. at least, you know, we're not going to feel great about it. <laughs> but I feel like if they beat the Cubs in the NLDS and get to the championship series, like, and even, you know, and, and then, you know, regardless of how the NLCS goes, I feel like that would be success. Like having a division crown, you know, maybe in the ballpark of a hundred win regular season and then winning a playoff series, you know, and, and having the Cubs, the World Series champion Cubs being the opponent, even if they were to fail after that, I feel like if they get to that point, that would be progress. That would be an awesome season. You couldn't really be upset with that. Yeah, I think, I think I'd agree with that, especially mm-hmm. like you said, if it is the Cubs. I mean, being mm-hmm. able to sort of knock off the champion, there's always mm-hmm. something good about that. And I think a lot of it also depends. You know, if they're going to the NLCS and they're getting the crap kicked out of them by a 115-win Dodger team, well, that, that's mm-hmm. life. You know, if they're going to the <laughs> right. NLCS and right. it's, it's the St. Louis Cardinals at, you know, 86 wins or stuck into the wild card and knocked out the Dodgers mm-hmm. and you're losing to them, yeah, then maybe you want to reconsider things a little bit. But, yeah, no, certainly I think that I think that's, that's a big part of it is, you know, who are you playing and how well you're playing against them too i feel like that would be very nats very dc and very baseball playoffs for like an 80 something win cardinals wild card team to beat the nats in the championship yeah. series and like go on and win the world series <laughs> i think i think cardinals winning the world series is uh certainly i think the outcome 2017 deserves that's that's sort of i think where we're headed <laughs> well i guess i don't know how much how much of this i mean it's a little illogical but you know, so is you know trying to gauge like disappointment <laughs> um is like if, if instead of the Cubs, it's like the Brewers that the Nats are beating in the uh, divisional series. You know, does that take a little bit? Of, that that takes at least some of the luster off. I mean, they'd get a series win, but it would be against a a you know more middling like non marquee opponent. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I think you get three wins in the NLDS. I don't think you're going to care who they're against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, you're going to be happy that you're just moving on to the next round and, and you know, a couple more games at home. And, you know, whether it's the Dodgers or the Rockies or I hope it's not the Rockies, but Arizona <laughs> or whoever, then, uh, you know, I, I think we'll be more than happy with that outcome. I you know, it'd be nice to beat the Cubs. It'd be nice to stuff it down Joe Madden's throat. But, hey, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. So this is a little bit, yeah, this is also hard to gauge is like, do you think that there is Nats fatigue because they haven't advanced in the playoffs? Like fan fatigue? Uh, I don't think it's there yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't think it's certainly to the extent of where it was with like with the Braves where they won what 14 division titles, mm-hmm. only one series. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think, you know, for, like you were saying there for, for fan interest, getting to the NLCS would be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially, I think you're also looking at sort of the, the, this potential broader window. I mean, Bryce isn't going to be around here forever. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think there's a little more urgency to, you know, get over that, at least that first hurdle this year. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the, the fans are always patient and, you know, winning sues a lot of, uh, a lot of pain. So I think, uh, I think we're probably another year or two of not advancing before the fans really start to get ticked off. I mean, it's kind of a nice, pro- it's kind of a nice problem to have, you know, like I, I wish, I wish this, 
you know, unfortunate fate on the Redskins franchise. Like, I wish that they were, <laughs> you know, making the playoffs regularly, uh, even if they're disappointing. That would be great. Um, but I, I already, and I'm not fatigued with the Nats. I'm still in on the Nats and following them as much, if not more than ever. But I'm, I'm definitely there with the Caps. Like, the Caps are on, like, this, like, 10-year run of the hockey version of, of uh, what the Nats have been over the past five years. You know, and I, and it's hard. I think it's increasingly hard to like get geared up for another season of, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs and yeah, we're not going to get past the second round. Yeah. I think that also goes to, you know, what I touched on a little bit before about how I think the NHL sort of diminished the importance of the regular season relative mm-hmm. to major league baseball. I mean, it's, it's so it's, many teams get in the playoffs. Yeah. 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 And, and there's no real difference between, you know, it doesn't matter if you're an eight seed in the NHL playoffs, mm-hmm. whereas if you're a wild card team in the in, in Major League Baseball, you've got a couple uh, sort of disadvantages built in. Mm-hmm. You know, the NHL, it's all about just sort of getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, uh, you know, it's kind of nice in baseball. You know, you can turn on tonight's game and it matters in the scheme of things, but it doesn't. You know, you can just kind of, you know, you can go with it. You can pay, you know, really super close attention. You can kind of nod off and you know, kind of half follow on Twitter. It's, it's, it's a much more sort of laid back and relaxed pace, which, 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 which I enjoy, but yeah, I, I certainly know, know what you mean in terms of uh, having some of the concern there with, you know, are, is the same thing going to happen with the caps? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think yeah, any caps fan is just like, all right, just fast forward me to, right. you know, to April and see what happens. Yeah. Like when April comes around but, in baseball, I'm excited for like the Nats season to start anew, you know, and I'm still watching mm-hmm. and carrying through August with the caps, it starts in October, and I'm like, w- already? <laughs> you know, like, couldn't it, couldn't we just yeah. like cut this season in in half? Um, yeah. A few, uh, well, this sounds weird. A few baseball questions, <laughs> questions about the Nats that aren't about like how we feel. <laughs> um, what's the latest, or what's your? How do you expect Bryce Harper's return to unfold? Uh, will he return? Yeah, like will that, like, that, like that, will that, and like what timing? Like I don't. Know, how do you anticipate yeah. this going? Well, I think that's that's the big assumption. I think everybody's had. Everybody was was relieved that he he didn't blow out his knee completely and that mm-hmm. it was just a bone bruise. But you you look at the, sort of the track record of people with bone bruises, they don't necessarily come back quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think I think Rizzo had some comments uh, uh, one of his radio appearances yesterday where he he was like. He, he sort of walked it back a little bit and sort of was trying to lower expectations, which anytime you see somebody doing that, you know, it makes me a little, little wary. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a horse. I think he's going to try and push it as hard as he possibly can to get back into the game. But I mean, yeah. I, I, you would hope you would have the regular season place. I mean, otherwise, you know, his timing may be a little bit screwed up, but yeah, having him back is going to be huge to see how far they can go. But, you know, will he? We'll find out, I guess. One of the reasons I feel good about you know, Harper potentially not coming back is that the Nats kind of seem to have developed or at least found uh, some players that can perform in the absence of, of Trey Turner and Jason Worth over recent months. I mean, one of those guys is Wilmer Defoe, who when he came up, I thought he was not ready for prime time. <laughs> and there was all this talk about him batting second and Rendon was batting sixth and they should be swapped in the order. Uh, but now that he's kind of being forced out due to Trey Turner's return, uh, he kind of made a mark. Like he seemed like actually a quality big leaguer. 
Yeah, I think that was the biggest surprise for me of, of, of this entire season, how well he's done. I mean, you know, think about how, you know, him ending the season last year could not have looked more possibly overmatched against Kershaw than, than anybody. And all of a sudden, here he is sort of holding his own. I think somebody uh, posted on Twitter is just kind of one of those digs at the lineup question. There's something like 25 and 6 with him batting second in the lineup. So. Wow. Hey, keep doing what you're doing there, Wilma, Wilmer. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's funny, like, like you were saying, at the beginning of the season, you're like, oh, God, we don't want to have to start him. But now you're, like, trying to find ways to get him in. And I think that was always sort of my view of him, is if he was going to make it, it was going to have to be as kind of like a super sub. And mm-hmm. you've seen him this year play a little left, a little center, a little right the other night, and he's kind of moved all over the infield. And that's, that's the kind of guy that if he's your, your, the 25th man on your roster, especially on the NL, that's a guy who can stick around for 10 years. So if he can hit a little bit, I mean, I don't expect him to keep hitting 300 or mm-hmm. he's pretty close to that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can hit a little bit with that versatility, that's, that's a pretty valuable guy to have a, on the, the end of the, the, the national league. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, that's, maybe that's not the, you know, caliber of player he is, but he did just do it for half a season. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if that's him, like he can sub all over, he could, I mean, I don't want to see Daniel Murphy go away, but like you might not be able or want to resign Murphy at some point. Uh, Anyway, there's just interesting development with him. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I mean, I think we know they're not going to resign Murphy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's that's one of the issues that's kind of fallen under the radar a little bit this year was how bad Murphy's defense has been this year. Mm-hmm. He's been really, really bad at second. Um, a lot of balls get past past him, which you know you can live with it when you're going to bat three forty or whatever he's batting at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the bat more than makes up for it, but. Um, I can't imagine they're going to want to go long-term on somebody who really can't play second long-term. So, yeah, does, does Defo slide over to their long-term? I mean, the answer would have been no this year, but now think about it a little bit. I mean, he's certainly shown to be a really, really excellent glove. Plus, the Nats are a little, uh, at least right now in 2017, they're a little overstuffed at, like, the first base slash DH types for a National League team. Like, yeah, Zimmerman yeah. and uh, Adam Lind, you know. I mean, Lind's a great pitch hitter, but, yeah, he's not going to play anywhere in the field but there. Um, yeah. Last question for you. And, uh, I don't know, at this point, I guess everything looks pretty good, but it's been shaky at points, which is the starting rotation come October. Like, how, how do you... How solid are we with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Geo? Of course, they're like awesome starting. That's an awesome starting trio. Well, I'll, I'll throw Roark in there too and make it a quartet because he's been up and down. Um, how do you feel about the starting rotation nearing the end of the season here? I think you probably have to feel as good as you felt all year about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about this. I think the big question mark was going to be Strasburg's health. I remember, they, they reworked his uh, his uh, windup to have him sort of pitch from the stretch all year because they were concerned about the elbow. And then he still had some injury problems. But, you know, after tonight's outing where he had the, the, the complete game shutout, you know, hopefully he's answered some of those questions. So if he's going into October, we know uh, Scherzer is able to get his neck problems worked out. You've got Gio, who's pitching as well, if not better, than he did back in 2012 when he was a, a near Cy Young contender. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a three-headed monster that's going to stack up with anybody's in the league. So, you know, mix mix and match that with the bullpen in the back, and you know, they're they've a pretty solid rotation. I'm not too terribly worried about the pitching. Um, you know, it's it's <laughs> unfortunately, like we said, we, we've seen time and time again. You know, one game can 
can you know make all the difference. They, they they get a few of those balls up on Scherzer, and what you thought was going to be a one zero lead in the series can be a zero one deficit. So, but I think you know going into that, you you got to feel you're in as a good position as probably any of the Nets teams that have been here. You're probably right. I just the Scherzer next stuff freaks me out. Like even if it's nothing, it's totally nothing. Uh, that, that's that's fine. only because you're turning forty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a thing in my, with my neck, my back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lydia, ibuprofen, ibuprofen max. That'll fix it. No, but like he was the guy. You, you. I guess you still can, but that you could count on out of this rotation. You know, like that's the guy you feel great handing the ball to two or three times in a series. At Strasburg, I don't think anybody feels good about it. I mean, he's great when he's healthy, but. I, I don't know at this point, but he's like counting on him late in the season. Uh, Gio, I still don't trust it. Like I know he did the, he had a year like this, his first year with the Nats, but I, I, I feel like it's like a four and a half month, I guess almost five month mirage at this point. <laughs> like that's, that's, a, that's awesome. a mirage. It's going to win a Cy Young or an MVP, man. <laughs> right. Right. But you know what yeah, I mean? No. Like, I don't know. We just, I've just been conditioned over the last few years to not think of Gio as this like level of, of starter. And even though yeah, the numbers no, are, are – even they've been great, I mean, especially the last couple of months, like I still don't know that I trust Geo either. So it's a typical pessimistic Nats fan here. Come on. <laughs> no, no, I, many, I, I, haven't you seen too many Geo starts that like were 100 pitches, five innings, three runs? Like I don't know. The, the less we talk about game five in 2012, the better off I think we all are. But right. uh, it, I, think, I think the difference with Gio, one, I think he's pitching with confidence. And, you know, uh-huh. we, we can poo-poo all, you know, sort of the mental game all we want. But at the end of the day, I think he thinks he, – he, he's a very emotional guy. Uh-huh. And I think he's kind of on a little bit of a roll where he knows he can do it. He feels that he's trusted by his manager, which it was pretty clear he was not uh, uh, with, with Matt Williams. But I also think – there was a piece I think you retweeted it today uh, from the Ringer, mm-hmm. um, talking about sort of his evolution as a pitcher and some of the ways I think Matt Williams right. sort of tried to settle him down. And I thought that was really pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of talking about trying to get him to sort of focus and, and hit his spots a little bit better. That even if he doesn't have sort of pinpoint command, he's going at this with much more of a plan at really attacking the batters. And I think one of the things that um, I sort of reacted to when I saw that was he's been really good about sort of dropping in the curveball in on the hands of like right-handed batters. Uh-huh. And a lot of times you tar- try and stay away with a curveball to opposite handed batters, but he's really sort of been going in after them, which I think has really sort of helped sort of open up what he's trying to do. So I think, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I, do I want Geo starting, you know, one game, sudden death game? Eh, probably not. But, you know, if, if he's the third member of your rotation going into the playoffs, yeah, I'll take that. He's going to be an upgrade. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not going to be a better third starter in the playoffs than him. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of nitpicking. I mean, I feel like between the, the firepower up and down the lineup, the way that the bullpen has been going the past month or two, the top three in the, in the starting rotation, like, this is probably – all told the best Nats team we've had. And we've had some good ones. Yeah. If Bryce comes back, this is, yeah, this is the best Nats team. And I think the the record itself is going to reflect that. I mean, they're on pace now to win 99 or a hundred games. And that's even with the, the, the the bullpen horror show that we had for the first two thirds of the season, Mm -hmm. you know, despite that, uh, mm-hmm. they're still going to have as many uh, as many wins as any the Nats team has had, and they have a real good chance of winning 100 games. Which, you know, there there haven't been too many teams that have won 100 games over the last 10 years. It's kind of kind of gone away as as uh, sort of the the, the mark of excellence. So 
yeah, I think th there's a lot to really sort of be excited about. And, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, enjoy the regular season, you know, enjoy, you know, going against a pretty good Milwaukee team and knowing that, you know, well, Hey, we're probably going to win. It's, it's fun when you kind of expect to win. I feel like uh, this is against brand for you, like this positivity and enthusiasm. Yeah. I feel now, like, see, see, uh, I, I've been, I've been much, uh, much, uh, you know, criticized for that. That's not fair. That is not fair. Come on. Now, <laughs> Are you I, just playing? Saying, it's I, almost like, the, it's almost like at bog commenters, some sort of character that you develop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine that. No, I, I, I've always sort of viewed myself as, uh, yeah, I'm obviously a contrarian, but I'm also, I'm, I've always viewed myself as an optimistic realist. Mm -hmm. I, so I'm somebody who kind of hopes the best is going to happen, but kind of realizes it usually doesn't. So yeah, I kind of hope here. I think the Nets have a, as good a chance to to really win the World Series. But you know, realistically, chances are we're not going to win the World Series this year. That's okay. That's right. that's realistic. But you know, you certainly can you know root like hell for it and you know watch watch them day in day out as they as they try to do so. All right. Well, uh, love to have you back on between now and then. Uh, our listeners can follow you at Bog Commenter. What's the origin story of that handle, by the way? Is it is it as simple <laughs> as like you were a DC sports Bog commenter or or something else? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's basically about it. I mean, if if you follow me, you know, I basically make fun of uh, Steinberg all the time anyway. So it was just yeah. uh, kind of an extension of that when I was trying to switch from my real name to uh, to a fake name, and uh, mm -hmm. I just needed something, and that that came to mind real quick. Thanks to Chris for stopping by the Mr. Irrelevant podcast, and thank you for listening. We also have a website, as you know, mrirrelevant.com. Uh, it's mostly just for podcasts now, but you can always see what we're talking and writing about over at the site. We redesigned it this summer. I think it looks great. We also uh, are selling a t-shirt with the new Mr. Relevant logo, front and center. Uh, so check that out. And as always, please do subscribe to the podcast by searching for Mr. Irrelevant in the iTunes store or in the Bumpers app. Doing any and all of these things will improve the Nationals' chances of winning the World Series. I promise.